I'm Sarah. I'm Norma. And we are Letters from the Mezzanine. We are a theater arts podcast slash blog. You can find our writing on lettersfromthemez.com. And we don't do traditional reviews on our podcast. We just kind of are friends talking about shows that we've seen and hopefully uh, engaging you, the listener. So we will be <laughs> we will be uh, talking about spoilers. So please be aware of that. And let's start the show. So, how are you today? I'm very well. How are you? Good. Sarah, um, my friend yes. and co-podcaster. We may or may not be entirely lucid right now. Well, explain why. Uh, well, behind the scenes is that uh, we just recorded like five takes. <laughs> so, and, um, and we just kept cracking up and doing the wrong things. But, and you don't have to hear that. But uh, do you want me to tell the real... I mean, we tell just, them, tell them. I guess we, like... Well, Norma's a little boozed up. No, that's not... That's, that's not what true. I want to tell. That's <laughs> not what I... Okay, so I'm going to tell. We just saw something rotten, and we're really excited about it. So that's what we're going to be yes, talking about it is today. Like, it is like being boozed up. In that, like, intermission hit, and I felt like I was... On a cloud somewhere, not entirely. You know entirely. when you come right out of a really good party, and you've been you've had so much energy, laughter, enjoyment, entertainment at this event, and you are like literally boneless, like you're just depleted because yes. you've experienced such a wonderful thing, and that's what we happened to us just at intermission, and now then it was the second act, and now I'm just I'm done. Yeah, and and that's good because second acts. We we were talking about this before. Second acts are usually kind of get can hurt a show sometimes. Like can they can endings? They. Endings are hard. Endings are hard. And um, how are we gonna end this podcast later? We don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, I just choose to like avoid it. But. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, it, it was like such a strong show, and it's. I don't know, like people, everyone was saying how uh, they they see it lasting for, like becoming a mainstay on yeah, Broadway. Yeah, you, you had, uh, Sarah, you'd likened it to the producers yeah. before? Yes, it felt like a Mel Brooks kind of thing at times. Um, but I guess let's start with the a plot before what we get into it. What was it about? So it's about, it takes place in um, Elizabethan England, right? Shakespeare's time. We have... We have two brothers who are playwrights, and they're kind of they're like They're the a, bottom brothers, Yeah, guys. they're the bottom brothers, Nick and Nigel. And um, and they're sick and tired of this dude Shakespeare <laughs> taking away all their ideas. So they're trying to look for something new and something exciting. And, um, and so Nick, who's played by Brian Darcy James, um, goes to a fortune teller and asks him, okay, what what is the new big thing in theater? Like what what should I be writing right now? What is uh, what is Shakespeare's best play gonna be about? And um, and so the fortune teller comes back to him and says, uh, well this is his best play is gonna be called Omelette and the biggest thing in theater is gonna be the musical. And so And he's not wrong. <laughs> he's not wrong. 
wrong. Um, and so, um, and so, taking it from there, they uh, they develop Omelette the musical. So we just kind of follow the development of that. It's basically what would it look like if Elizabeth uh, Elizabethan England developed a musical, and it's not all that different from musicals today. <laughs> um, <laughs> Funny that. And, and uh, spoiler alert. And- Lots of tap numbers. Yes. Um, and Christian Borel is uh, William Shakespeare. And he's kind of like a rock god William Shakespeare. He has... Like if, if William Shakespeare had uh, the hips of Elvis and the swagger of Jagger. And the eyeliner and... Of David Bowie. And the outfits of like an 80s rock band. It's great. Uh, <laughs> it really is. I... So yeah, let's start with Christian Borel. Why not? Sure. I mean, Christian Borel is just like I don't know. If he's in something, I'm there. <laughs> yeah. Period. Um. He the we well I first saw him in um Peter and the Starcatcher uh-huh. where he played the pirate uh yeah. Captain Hook ass character and he just like he just is such a he's such a very energetic and you know entertaining hammerific. Uh, and he's made for theater, basically. Yeah. And so, like, what better person to play Shakespeare than someone who's so overtly theatrical? So, yeah, so usually I feel like when Christian Borle's in a play, he kind of, like, steals all the scenes He kind of overtakes it with his amazingness. And that's, yeah. not, that's not anybody's fault. That's just, like, who he is. Yeah. Like, he's, not a, he's like, such a weird-looking guy, and we're, I mean, <laughs> we are in such a quandary because even though he's, like, he has those, like, googly eyes and the weird, like, mouth and the neck and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> the neck? He's just... You sound like... You sound like uh, Al Pacino in uh, The Advocate. <laughs> neck. Uh, but, um, no, he, like... He he's just so charming and so charismatic and just like his he owns oozes it. appeal. Um, but in this show, he's very well. Uh, he fits matched right in. Yeah, he's very well matched with um, Brian Darcy James, who is also gives us such a quandary because he's like such a manly guy. Yeah, and so he's like so like stocky and like yeah. But yet, very, yet, very then straight, he like, which is strange in musical theater. And then he hits those high notes, and then he tap dances, and he like sashays and stuff. And it's like, damn boy, like, where are you from? And who? Like, I thought I pinned you down, and I didn't. No, no, yeah, he's really, he's really great. And to get a little bit deeper in the storyline, so because you get this high concept thing. Which is really cool, which is whole like, oh, like, what if there were, like, musicals in Shakespearean times and all these, like, musical references, which we'll get to really soon, because that was, like, yeah. the, the bomb. Okay, it was the shit. So, uh, it, 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 so it had all that, but then it also had this beautiful family story of, like, you know, a family just trying to make it happen in the English Renaissance period, and, like, you know, the the... Nigel trying to be his best because he's like the real poet of the family. Yeah, he's the one who has like the gorgeous lines. Yeah, Nigel is played by Playable Time, Playable Time. Uh, John John Cariani, who looks really familiar. I feel like looks so familiar. But I but we looked up like his credits and. I've never seen anything at Williams South Theater Festival or the Old yeah. Dover Center Theater Group or Barrington Stage Company. These are all, like, really prestigious, like, regional theaters that I just haven't been to. Yeah. I'm from the Bronx, yo. Yeah. So, um, he but was great. He, yeah, and so he plays kind of, like, the uh, 
tortured poet, poet kind of thing. And he plays it so well. He's so adorable. So adorable. Total, uh, again, total Seymour vibes. He's just... Yeah. But even sweeter, you know? He's yeah. just so sweet. Yeah. Um, and, and his little falsetto, like his gentle falsetto voice. And those, and those little, like, um, lines that he had about, like, being true and being... Yeah. A good poet. So, like, heart heart out. Heart out on my sleeve. Heart on my sleeve. <laughs> um, and, but, so, like, Shakespeare's kind of the main villain here, but... Um, oh, that villain is Shakespeare. But then there is, uh, like, a Puritan faction who's against everything. Like, in real life. They yeah. did that. They totally did that. They're, yeah, so... Um, and that's another actor that we've seen. We saw in uh, Bullets Over Broadway, and we're probably going to butcher his name, but it's Brooks Ashmanskas. Let's go with that. And, <laughs> and if someone can correct us, feel free to, like, give please. us, uh, correct us if anything that we're wrong. You can reach us at our Twitter or Facebook. I'm going to yeah. put the plugs in now. Yeah. Put the plugs out. Feel free to contact us and let us know. Um, but uh, he played Brother Jeremiah, and he was the worst and the best. Yeah. He, he's, like... The kind of comedic actor that literally, like, Norma blinked and she missed something. I missed something. <laughs> she she missed, so like, a, a little, like, gesture that he did. But, like, so every bad. little, like, facial expression. And the whole theater just, like, blew up in laughter. Yeah. It, it, but it wasn't even, like, that big a thing. It was, like, just, like, a pursed lip or something that he did. it. But it was just, the timing was perfect. He and was, it was amazing. He was trying to shut down, you know, I mean, like, most Puritans, he's trying to shut down, like, all theater in England. Um, and, um, and he, and he has, like, a personal vendetta against the Bottom Brothers, especially once, um, Nigel forms a romance with his daughter, which is, like, Mm -hmm. super no-no. Um, so, but, like, the thing, though, is that he's giving a lot of, uh, Radcliffe vibes from Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. I feel like the design, like, the costume design has to do, but, like, the flouncy, like, the shape of his costume and everything. Yeah. And his wig, like, his long hair wig, like, that was all, like... Based off of Radcliffe. Yeah. Especially the very um, homosexual overtones. Which oh, in yes. Radcliffe yeah. and Pocahontas is pretty overt, but, you know, the right. show really takes it. I forgot it about that. Full Mel Brooks. I just saw Pocahontas, like, a couple weeks ago, guys, so <laughs> I may, in episodes up ahead, there may be a lot of allusions to it going forward. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to spend too much time on, like, cast and stuff, but just, They're like, everyone. All right, so let's do some quick mentions. Like, the, the woman... Um, so Heidi Blinkenstaff is, yeah, um, plays, is um, the wife, and she kind of is this go-getter, like, very independent woman. She who, says, she has this great line where she says, you know, like, oh, like, I should go, like, women should have jobs. Now it's the 90s, 1590s. So funny. I liked it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and she, yeah. like, puts on a beard and, and like, does jobs. Yeah. I mean, people... And that's, like, a Viola, um, also, as you like it, trope uh-huh. with the woman dressing as the man. Yeah, and I, I I don't think we've heard of her before, but people in the audience certainly applauded. We didn't see applauded. Title of Show. Did you see Title of Show? No. Womp womp. So there, we messed up. But then, <laughs> but yeah, she was excellent. Her voice, voice yeah. of gold. Yeah, and then and then there was um, playing Nigel's love interest. Portia. Um, Portia, get it, guys. And then uh, she, her name is Kate Reinders. I almost want to say reindeers, but it's not. That's um, that's not going to be it. That's as much as we want it to be it, that's not going to be it. Yeah, but she's um baby. She's baby Kristen Chenoweth. She's so petite. She gave her like this big old blonde wig. And she's she so, is so cute. She is Kristen Chenoweth's heir. Like, yeah, when heir, Kristen heir to Chenoweth the throne. when Kristen Chenoweth releases her death grip on like all the roles, all the roles. Um, 
Uh, Kate Reinders is going to be like she's ready. right there. She's going to be ready she's, for it. Yeah. And she was just adorable and earnest and sweet and weird. Um, you know, which I, you know, I like, I like those weird plucky ingenue types. Yes. They're just so funny. Like when she got drunk at the party, they, at the reading or something uh, like yeah, Shakespeare's party, reading. she just like fell backwards behind the chair. I was like, oh, but what is that? It was really cute. So yeah, those are our performances roundup. Basically, everyone was great. Also, shout out to the minstrel played by Michael James Scott. He, like, narrates the show. He was dancing like a beast. And I was like, damn, dude. Like, you already are charismatic. You already, like, sing really well. And then you're just moving with every... Everybody. Everybody was moving with intention. Like, it wasn't, like, crappy, like, hokey, like, boom, bop, bop kind of moving. Like, he was just really... Um, like, filled with the spirit, I guess yeah. you might say. Yeah, people seemed so, like, I, I wrote down in my notes, like, it must be so amazing to be a part of that ensemble. It Agreed. seems like such a fun show to be in. I agreed. I also really like Marisha Wallace. Um, she was, like, she, she had some parts, like, she was, like, the crony hag in, like, the marketplace, mm-hmm. and she was also, like, because, you know, they had a gospel number, but it wasn't as annoying as they usually are, uh, for me. I really enjoyed this gospel number, oh. and, you know, she was, like, the required, like, black soloist who could belt her face off, and she was, like, hilarious. Like, yeah. you just, everybody was just so filled with, um, enthusiasm, excitement, and specificity, um, mm-hmm. which was really great. But, what else? So, the, <laughs> the show, so, because, um... We have the Nostradamus character looking into the future and seeing what is in store for musical theater. Um, there's so many, like the show is full of musical theater references. Cats, Fiddler on the Roof, Phantom, Les Miserables. Um, and it's like hilarious. It's I, so hilarious how they put it all together because it's in ways that you kind of expect and then don't expect. Uh-huh. Like after a while you start to get excited for them, but there's still... They still catch you off guard, especially when some of them are in action. Like, they do a chorus line bit where they all hold up their, their headshots. But it's, like, but head it's, sketches. But their head yeah. sketches in the style of, like, you know, that time period was hilarious. Yeah. Which I, I wonder if they did that special for this weekend because it's the 40th anniversary of A chorus line. line. That but, would be awesome. Um, yeah, so there's all these references. It's definitely a musical for musical theater lovers. Yes. Um, if... If you like, if you I don't know. love the musical, like if you just really love something, I mean, they, they, I really love musical theater. It just like not just like musicals and stuff, but like also like the form. How did it start? How does it proceed or whatever? And it was it was great how they just they they explain what a musical is, which is great because like sometimes people just don't know. They know what it is, but they don't think about it. And it's like you know, it's musical. It's a theatrical. To play where people have to express themselves through song to like right. further get through the emotional awkward and they define it like twice which I think is really great and they also like go into like things that are in a musical and and you know the, the number and like you know sometimes when you do a playoff like the numbers ended and then you like sing it again or you yeah you, or you play it off it's again very, it's very self-referential and kind of like uh and it's not and it's not even like in a, it's clever but it's not clever like it's not trying to do the whole like look at me kind of stuff. Like, mm. like not like look at me, I'm so, like the look at me, I'm so smart kind of uh-huh. self-referential kind of stuff. Like, it's not supposed to be like two guys in the theater being like, <laughs> it's not like that. It's just really like, no, what can we like sneak in and really amuse people? Uh-huh. It's like, it's like more like Easter eggs. Yeah, and always with like a wink, wink nudge to the audience. Um, it's great. See what I did there, Easter eggs, because it's omelet. 
<laughs> you got that right. That That's good. very Shakespeare of you. <laughs> um, um, I also really enjoyed uh, just at the very end. So they go to America to the Americas, where they're starring, where the brothers start producing their own musicals in the Americas. And I thought it was such a great ending because. You know, Shakespeare, he says, no, I need you guys to leave so I can do my own thing. And his own thing is English Renaissance, like, doing, like, the plays of the time. And the great thing is that they're going to America, which is the birthplace of the musical. And it's just, there's something so American about it. And even though they were ahead of their time in this universe, like, ahead of their time that they were able to glean information about the musical in, like, the 1590s, they still had to go to America to make musicals. There was no place for them in Renaissance-era England. You know, it had to be in America, which I thought was, like awesome yeah it's 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 kind of like really patriotic if like broadway were a nation <laughs> the nation of broadway yeah if broadway were had it were its own country like this is the musical that would rile people to like war or something like, yeah, to, defend, to defend it to defend our king who Did, is i guess I king know. george brian darcy james <laughs> yeah Brought it all back to Hamilton, which I still haven't seen yet. But I'm just really excited. <laughs> just like, we're just mentioning that in every podcast. Like, Mama still hasn't seen, seen Hamilton. Hamilton. Guys, okay, countdown clock. It's, I don't know, it's a couple weeks. I'm getting there. We're, we're almost there. But yeah. Um, um, but so, so another thing that I found interesting was like, so it, it's for musical theater loves, but like the show itself is kind of, almost fits like the per, the formula for a perfect musical. Like, okay, if, totally. if there were a um, formula for perfect musicals like this followed it and and it followed and that it kind of followed like all these tropes that have been established in musical theater so like you know big sets big costumes big mm-hmm. numbers uh triple threat actors right all triple that threats. laugh a minute like very comedy a lot very, of comedy uh, lots of romance um like just kind of all like it you're just checking off the boxes here. Um, there's like all these little like fantasy numbers, like uh, you know, oh, you're what, right, what the fantasy would, number. Yeah, what would happen if you know I became more successful than Shakespeare or stuff like that? Like there's all these uh, big numbers that uh, are kind of in the characters' imaginations. Um, there's the show within the show, which I feel like is that's where, the start of Taming of the Shrew, which is so everything. That's, a, that's another Shakespeare <laughs> illusion. There's of, so many Shakespeare illusions. Um, and the crazy thing is that the writers of the show did not, they're not theater people per se, and they're not, like, it's not like they're like Lin-Manuel Miranda, again, I'm going to allude to him, who's just, like, been, like, like you know, just breathing this stuff in for, like, eons. It's like right. these guys, you know, just really, like, really, like, been developing it for some time now. Yeah. It's just, they still manage to, like, make like, it's not just us that are fangirling right now. I'm telling you, guys, at the performance that we just attended, everyone in the audience was quaking with laughter. They were happy. It was like everyone was a five-year-old child again. Yeah. It was just no, And so, then there's so other happy. things. Like, there's the there's the kind of the Nancy song, right, where <laughs> which I'm, I'm, Wait, referencing, Nancy song? I'm referencing Nancy from Oliver, uh, she sings as long as you need, as long as he needs me, right, so there's like all these musicals that have the Nancy numbers song. where the, like a, a kind of, um, the female character, the female character sings to defend her man who is obviously like a rotten person, who's balling it up, um, so yeah, there's um the uh, his wife sings to Nigel because Nigel threatens to leave, and she sings to him about how. Um, oh yeah, the right hand much. man. Rip, no, rip no, rip I don't think no. Oh, is that it? Yep. Okay. I look it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. Look this stuff up, guys. We just saw it. Yeah. So um, so there's that right. There's that kind of like 
that the motif that happens. There's the gospel song we've already mentioned. We've got the gospel hate, song. And this I is probably the first gospel that. song that I've... And it was another fantasy sequence because it was imagining... It was um, Portia and Nigel imagining what would happen if, yeah. like... They were if they would be able to like be together, kind of like that West Side Story like wedding song when it's like they imagine all the mannequins are like their family and they're all getting along. It's mm-hmm. like that they were like imagining it, and then eventually like the Puritans like shed their. That was like a Cinderella esque costume change. I'm still not quite certain how they pulled it off. Where like yes. the women's skirts became pastels, yes. and like the dudes like lapels and panels of their jackets became lapels, and you know, and the the the. The Lots Puritan of- Fathers thing, and then they just all gospeled up. And it was another fantasy what-if scenario. Right. So Very I feel like that kind of touched on, like, a trend that maybe is no longer, but was the kind of gospel musical, right? Like, uh, uh, like Sister Act or um, that Leap other of one. Faith. Yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one and the other Or even, like, the gospel uh, truth. Gospel numbers. Yeah. There's so many. So, um, yeah, all these certain, like... And also we need yeah. to talk about the anachronistic nature of the show uh-huh. in that, you know, there was a lot of... There was at one point where, like, someone was seeing Romeo and Juliet that night and they were telling them the ending. And he's like, no, no spoilers. I'm yeah, seeing no it tonight. Spoilers. No. Um, there, like, other little lines like that. Um, my favorite uh, my favorite lyric, I'm going to say it. My favorite lyric was, don't be a penis. The man is a genius to, like, to about Shakespeare. And I thought that was so funny. Like, and it wasn't, like, the, the whole show wasn't, like, super crash. I want to say, like, the crass nature of the show was, like, a solid. You're right. It was very Mel Brooks. Like, PG-13. Like, a lot of innuendos. Yeah. About things, but it wasn't, like, completely, like, right. in your face. Except for the cod pieces. Oh, yeah, the cod oh, pieces. Yeah. <laughs> they were I, very rigid. I feel like maybe that was a, that had to be a conscious choice. Oh, so that like, was a very <laughs> conscious choice. So, the cod pieces are huge. So like, kind of, like, re- like be irreverential. Very and irreverential like, yeah. and bold and fun. And yeah. I just, I thought it was great. Um, spot, you know, spot all the... All the musical references you can find. I, I love them all. The audience was always excited to find another one, I yeah. think. Um, yeah, you were kind of just on, like, you're on the edge of your seat, just like, wait, because it's so, um, like, the comedy is unpredictable, it's, um, but it's there, it's so powerful, and and I was telling Norma, like, there was a point where I had to, like, remember to close my mouth because I was smiling. open mouth smiling, the, like, for probably 15 minutes, and my lips were really dry, I had to, <laughs> um, I had to refresh, I probably, my breath probably me. really stinks, no, it's okay. It's all right. I'm right next to you. You're great. You're doing great. So yeah, stay hydrated if you want to see the show because it, it will it will yeah. it will it will fill you with joy. Yeah. So I think that's it. I I mean, if that's it, is the fact that this is a contender for like best. Oh, music. best music. I mean, I mean listen, no, I know, I know. like, I like even like like because like there's like the, the the rules are so rigid and stuff. I mean, it's gonna be a nom. But I think it's, I think so far, uh, I think it would definitely be a contender, a strong yeah. contender for Best New Musical. Um, and it was just... It, Take that, Fun Home. Oh! Shots fired! <laughs> but Sarah, Sarah's seeing Fun Home later this month, so she yes. can't even, she can't even say nothing. I can't. But she's seen that before I'm seeing Hamilton, so she's still... <laughs> that's how, that's how far away it is, guys. But, um, yeah, I would, um... I, I thought it was I thought it was fabulous. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's reviewed because there's so many things that we love and then, you know, nothing happens. And I'm always hoping that with every great 
production out there, people, you know, around the world, around the country, around New York City will come and see it and keep theater alive and going. Woohoo! Because that is my dream. And it's an, it's, a, it's an original. It's like one of, you know, again, they get fewer and fewer every year. It's like the original mm-hmm. musical. And last year it was Gentleman's Guide who like, yeah. really surprised everyone and took the awards and, yeah, um, this is a and, and, it, a and it came straight to Broadway. It wasn't workshopped at La Jolla or Paper Mill. No shade to those shows you do because we love getting those. Come to me, Hunchback. But like, <laughs> and, but like, and Ever After, they're both playing this summer at Paper Mill Playhouse. Oh my god. Um, yeah, there was just like so much. There's so much stuff that you know it's workshopped and like beaten to death, whatever. And you know this came to Broadway and it was really. Really, something spectacular. It was a big risk, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think they really pulled it off. And I'm I don't see it having that slump that Gentleman's Guide did. Like in the I beginning, Gentleman's Guide had that slump, and then they really worked hard to get it back up to like, you know, uh, powerhouse potential. I don't I don't see this happening with something wrong. I think and something wrong has so much more. Uh, it also you know I what it is it's, it's that success. emotional heart. Um, yeah. I didn't see Gentleman's Guide. Gentleman's Guy was Gentleman's Guy was more like a smart. Musical yeah, it was a then. smart musical, and this is very smart. But it it has that emotional heart of like the it brothers. Has popular appeal. They, yeah, they they you know they reconcile at the end, and you know they they you know they had issues, and you know, and then there was like the romance. But it you know it the really great thing about the romance, just go really quick between Nigel and Portia, is that it was because they had a love of poetry and a love of theater, which I thought oh, was yes. so cute. And think- they were fangirling, like they were fan boying, fangirling, like their face off to each other, like really like nerdy like, which I thought was so adorable. Like yes. it wasn't a sophisticated romance. No, and and I definitely they acted like a whole bunch of high schoolers. And I'm sure as an English major yourself and me also, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure you appreciated like the constant equation of poetry to like masturbation and yes. sex. Yes. I did. Um, I did. I did a lot. Yes. Um, it was it was a lot of that and like you know he, he there's this bit where he's it, like oh he's like he likes to sit reciting his poems there and he goes oh yeah I finished a whole yeah there was like a whole five minute gag of of like him like him reciting his poetry as being a sexual acts and it was perfect it, it was, was perfect yeah everything it was perfect and it was really just sweet you know these people you know they're sharing a love of theater and poetry together, love of art, and that from there became, you know, like, one of the basis is basis of their um, attraction and love for each other, and, yeah, and it's just, like, a big old happy family kind of thing, you know, you got, you got the two brothers, you got the lovely wife, and Portia just trying to make it together Aww. at the very end in America, and I think that's going to really appeal to general audiences, um, and then, you know, everything else is just a super-duper awesome bonus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm glad they didn't go full high concept because sometimes you have those things that like go like full like you could have like you could have done this in a way in a far more like quote unquote intelligent way maybe mm-hmm. and gotten like full farce and full whatever and then it probably wouldn't have the same appeal as this production does yeah so this was just like good job every, guys everything and you know i've heard you complain about this in other shows where, <laughs> i don't complain no, 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 no. i like everything um i've heard you complain like when you feel like an ensemble isn't being used enough when there's like action going on yes but, but like no momentum and and how you know you have actors on stage who are doing nothing oh and, yeah. and and like as window dressings yeah i yeah. Just, you don't like and that i probably have told you about this was before. like totally not the case I feel like the momentum was so strong for this show, and everyone must have been working like really hard behind the scenes to, to make specificity. And yeah, there was never I was never watching the show and having a moment where I was watching the actors behind them doing set piece stuff. 
Yeah. I never did, because I hate that. There's people standing around or talking or whatever or making up action that's, like, pointless. But that's yeah. another podcast. <laughs> I'm thinking of something specific right now that I won't mention. <laughs> I'm but, forgetting what it was, but we'll talk about it after. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so that was something rotten, guys. Um, and right now it's playing at the St. James Theater. Um, do it. Just do it. If just you go. can. If yeah. you can. I mean, I, I was ready to just come in here and record, just be like, you know, I like let's not even waste your time. Just, like, go and see it. <laughs> But, but at BT Dubs, Sarah, when she's like, you know, maybe we shouldn't tell people to see shows. Like, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't. I was like, well, why not? I mean, we like something. We should, like, tell them if we like, think we should see it or and why. And I think this is definitely one of those things where it has, like, a lot of appeal for different types of people. So if you don't like musicals, if you don't like things that are said in Elizabethan Inkland, if you don't like families, so if you don't like happy endings, <laughs> hey, maybe chose try to give it a shot because it really is stunning. Yeah. Um, that's all I have to say. All right. Well, we'll be back very soon with more music. So many cover. more shows. <laughs> so stay tuned. Again, check out our Facebook, our Twitter, and our blog, which we'll be doing more write-ups about all the shows that we cover in this podcast and additional shows that we don't cover in this podcast. So if you want the best of both worlds, you have to join both worlds. Read our blog, <laughs> listen to our podcast, and Go we bye. hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye.